With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. For over 10 years, VOC Nation has taken listeners behind the scenes of the greatest moments in pro wrestling history. Our hosts are not only experts on the business, but have lived in the business. Subscribe and hear weekly podcasts from hosts like legendary pro wrestling journalist Bill After, former Impact Wrestling star Wes Briscoe, former WWE and AWA broadcaster Ken Resnick, former WWE and TNA star Shelly Martinez, former WCW star The Maestro, NWA legend The Raging Bull Manny Fernandez, and much more. VOC Nation programming is free on most major podcasting apps, including iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and Radio.com. And video podcast and bonus content is available on Patreon for as low as $3 a month. What are you waiting for? Head to VOCNation.com and dig into the most comprehensive podcast network built for pro wrestling fans. Find us on Facebook and Instagram at VOC Nation Wrestling Network and follow us on Twitter at VOC Nation. All right, you guys, podcast time. We got the equipment and the perfect business plan. Give our show away for free and tell no one how to find it. Ready? You will deal with that Atlas harshly. Fight forever, Guardian! I think he broke it. And you're listening to Hell in a Cell Radio. The Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Hell in a Cell Talk Radio. Everyone, hello, welcome. To HIAC Talk Radio Pro Wrestling Podcast, the very last one on the VOC Nation Radio Network. And I just wanted to record something for you all to say a few things about VOC and to tell you, if you want, where you can find us going forward. Um, so, a little bit about uh, the show on VOC. It was supposed to be temporary. We had issues with the HIAC Talk Radio Network. Dean was um, trying to find a new host and it fell through and Brady Hicks the Brady Hicks um, knew what was going on and came to me privately he said well why don't you just host on our show we have your content anyway for a while there we were simulcasting we were doing uh, our shows on our own network and he'd take it over and uh, on the VOC Nation and it would be like another show on the network so I said, you know, that makes sense. Since it's already there, I'll just do the com- content for you and send it over there. And it was always supposed to be temporary. Um, and that's been rolling along for a long time now. And I have had the opportunity to relaunch our own thing since there's five or six shows at any one time. And I decided to do so. Uh, with the blessing of Brady and Bruce from VOC. So with that being said, 
before we say it, a couple other things. Me and Craig are here, by the way. Craig is just letting me roll right now. Um, thank you. Uh, you can find us still doing our thing. The wrestling show, the wrestling historian show, Stadium Journey, Obey the Puck, Stadium Journey Overtime, uh, Manic Mixtape, and of course, Nerd Herders Rebooted can all be found on the HIAC Talk Radio Network. The relaunch. If you go to your podcast app or Spotify, please type in the HIAC Talk Radio Network and look for the new black and red logo with all the podcast covers on there. And subscribe. It would be greatly appreciated. Um, watch the videos on YouTube.com slash Dan 83. We broadcast live still in the same place, Twitch.tv, when the Internet works, which has been hot and cold tonight. The HIAC Talk Radio is on Twitch.tv slash Dan 83. But I just want to take this opportunity, Craig and I. Craig's just here for support, moral support for me. Um, thanks, buddy. <laughs> They'll never see this. They're only going to hear it. <laughs> they can never see what we're doing where we're just looking at each other on the screen for the live, uh, viewers. Yeah. And then, yeah, no, you the man, <laughs> but <laughs> you're right. It's me. You're right. But, um, uh, just thanks to Brady and Bruce and everybody at VOC Nation. Um, all of our shows will still be there. We have a good relationship. I will always call them the sister site of UC Nation Radio Network uh, and the listeners. Um, and uh, part of me is still kind of there because the show I started with, Maestro, uh, former WCW star, uh, still goes on. Uh, WCW Retro, which is the WCW version of the segment we do with uh, the Professor Craig Legans called The Wrestling Historian, is still there. So my mark will always be on the network. and. You're always welcome to visit here and vice versa. So I just wanted to say thank you and follow us over there. And uh, now here's some wrestling historian. Uh, we're going to start back on May 17th. Um, a big date in Monday night. It was our memorable Monday night raw on that date, Monday, um, May 17th, 1993. Um, I, all in one card. I remember Yokozuna defeated Kamala. Two uh, legendary super heavyweights that are sadly no longer with us. Uh, but they put on a hell of a show on their first and only meeting that they ever had. Uh, combined, I think about 1,080 pounds were in the ring at the same time between Damn. those two guys. Yeah. Uh, but uh, Yokozuna went over uh, Kamala. Uh, the one, two, three Kamikaze Cannonball Kid. Uh, Sean Waltman had gone through a couple of name changes uh, after he debuted in the WWF. None of them got over the Cannonball Kid, the Kamikaze Kid. Well, after he defeated Razor Ramon on this date, May 17, 1993, he became the one, two, three kid. And uh, that would begin his uh, push to the mid-card level, but more importantly, his push to the um, best friend status with... Uh, Shawn Michaels, Triple H, Scott Hall, the man he defeated, and Kevin Nash, and to form the Click later on, but that was his first big win on WWF. And on that self-same Monday Night Raw, Shawn Michaels would lose his Intercontinental Championship to his former tag team partner, Marty Jannetty, and that would be the first and only singles win in Marty Jannetty's entire illustrious career. It took place May 17th, 1993. Unrelated. 
Catherine. I would like to say a live, because he asked live. Live? On YouTube to our friend at Fourth Line Voice, who is a huge wrestling fan. I got a lot of uh, shoots from him. Mm-hmm. Like we're, we were tape traders, like we are tape okay. traders back in the day from uh, Fourth Line Voice. And if you're into old school hockey fights, and I mean not just from the NHL, baby. From the AHL, from the IHL, from the senior leagues, the junior leagues, and any league in between in hockey, go to his YouTube page, Fourth Line Voice, and check him out. He'll upload like three or four at a time, four or five at a time, and you get to spend a nice 20 minutes of watching hockey players uh, also play hockey, but mostly just beat the holy hell out of each other. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Fourth Line Voice. Hell yeah. Uh, uh, My boy Dan. I, boy Dan. I wanted to mention this date uh, in uh, Wrestling Historian about Marty Jannetty defeating uh, Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental title. Uh, because on the heels of uh, Shawn Michaels, it was Shawn Michaels' turn this past uh, Sunday for his A&E biography uh, about his life and career. And, uh, you know, I, I poo-pooed it, uh, to use that word, because they, they focus on the big – you know the the names we know and the stories we know, and but uh, just like with uh, with Booker T and and Steve Austin and people I thought I knew really well, I knew Shawn Michaels' uh, story and his career well. Um, but to hear it from his side and to hear how he and Janetti got together and uh, their time in the AWA and they show a lot of AWA footage, which surprised me and. Um, their their one time in the WWF where they pissed everyone off and they were fired the next day, uh, and the, between the time they were in the, on the WWF when they became the WWF, uh, we can see and Sean was very candid, which was the one thing that did surprise me about his drug use. And he tried pretty much every drug known to man, and he <laughs> didn't go into them because it's only a two hour show. But um, uh, and and you know and that Janetti was right there with him when he did it, and he could see how the the toll it took on Janetti is a lot worse than it took on Michaels. Uh, Marty Janetti did not look good. He was missing a tooth. He was um, yeah, just kind of check out his Facebook page. Sometimes you really want to be horrified. Yeah, Yeah. well, also you remember it was it was late last year or might have been earlier this year. We thought he was dead, or we thought that he was. uh, We thought he was dead. He admitted to. the killing a hooker or something? Uh, killing a hooker. <laughs> he was having sex with an underage person. Yeah. I mean, Marty was – Marty's on another planet at this point. Yeah. But, so I was – I was very. it was very fortunate they were able to uh, get to track him down from Or unfortunate because now the feds <laughs> know where he is. Yes. To track him down from his busy schedule to uh, to, to talk about Shawn Michaels in this A&E biography. But it was uh, – for, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's really good. Um. Also, we got to see another look at the Montreal Screwjob. Uh, in this scenario, it's Vince as the heel, and Sean is the put-upon hero that was just doing what's what's best. And the, re- <laughs> the, re- the revisionist history, Dan, is what gets me, because they're all saying, even Undertaker was saying, well, you know, they had to get the belt off of Brett because they didn't want him to appear on Monday Nitro that Monday with the belt. That wasn't going to happen. Uh, even if Brett had gone about it the right, even if he had dropped the belt to Sean, he was not going to be on Nitro that Monday at all. They did. It's not they didn't trust Brett. They didn't trust Eric Bischoff because if Brett had done everything right, they couldn't. And 
and had not dropped the belt. They couldn't trust that Eric Bischoff wouldn't come on Monday night. <laughs> I and wouldn't say, have trusted Bischoff either. Hey, we just signed the, the current reigning WWF champion to a contract here in WCW. That's what they didn't trust. They put it all on Brett. Like he was going to show up on Brett Hart was not going to show up on Monday night after Montreal. That was not going to happen. So, but the the, the revisionist history for that particular is still gets me. But um, May 17th, 1993, Marty Jannetty won the first and only singles title of his career on that day. Go ahead. Just real quick about the screw job. Yeah. Let's call it like it is. Mm-hmm. Three or four hotheads with the egos the size of Jupiter trying to figure out what to do because one is not going to pay the other anymore and the other one's a dickhead. Yeah. And I'm talking about Vince McMahon and Shawn Michaels. And Bret Hart's not innocent in any of this. Yeah. And I know wrestling, because now we have three versions out there. Well, four. We have the <laughs> WWF version. We have the Wrestling with Shadows version. We have the A&E biography, which is kind of the WWE version with Shawn Michaels. And you have the Dark Side of the Ring version, where Scott Hall tries to say it's a work. Right. I love Scott Hall to death. No. Number one. Number two, Vince is kind of... The least heelish, but then the most heelish of all of this, because obviously he wants to put his company first, and they just saw him put the WWF ladies title, which you put in the garbage long before Medusa did, by having three people ever fight for it in the 90s. Yeah. Um, You have Shawn Michaels, who admittedly, annoyingly by everyone else, was a garbage person at this point. Yeah. Who flat out told Brett, I'm never going to do the same for you. And, of course, when the opportunity comes, Brett's going to go, fuck this guy. He said, I'm not going to do – I'm not working with this schmuck. Yeah. And, of course, cooler heads weren't going to prevail. This was the only way out of it. And as Cornette explained, the way Cornette explained it and the way Vince did it was completely botched. Yeah, because <laughs> what's my favorite quote about that? He's supposed to look like, make it look like a screw job, but not know that he was involved. He didn't do any of that. <laughs> it was please. It was pretty much ring the bell. I did it. Oh, I got spit in the face. So yeah. either way, either spin on it. Brett still looks like the least guilty party of all of it. Yeah, I mean, I understand people like we well, should have just. But if I'm getting hounded by this shithead at work. Yeah, and I have the power to say I'm not doing it. Mm-hmm. I'm gonna be a bitter prick and not do it because the guy's an asshole. Yeah, and, but and I do the, like he got a whole chunk of his hair out of it. Yeah, <laughs> and the and the fact and and Jim Cornette even said it. You know, we were all on Brett's side. Sean was the prick. Yeah. You know, but you know they, they also had to to get the belt off him. But that and is they, correct. Uh, and all the scenarios that Brett proposed, they didn't like. So Brett was like, well, I'm all out of ideas then. Is my girl Whisper in it? Uh, yeah. Because what? It, okay. Yes, because, because it was – and they made Sean like – it's kind of like a Prince thing. You know, Sean's watching Nitro and he goes, I'll, I'll, I want her. No, no. Her it was me. Kevin. It yeah. was Kevin that was like, yo, Sean. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And And quite frankly – yeah, obviously. Yeah, yeah. yeah. If yeah. I had the power to look at someone on TV and say, "Yeah, I like her," and you know, next thing you know, phone call later, and I have it, then of course. Especially but her, I, I, 
Yeah, I and yeah, so they did mention that. They even showed, you know, the actual episode that Shawn Michaels first saw her on uh that prompted the phone call. But um they could have shown I, either it would have been the same. Yeah. I I thought it was interesting uh, and I'm going to get back to the story in a second folks, but uh I just want to comment on the uh Amy biography on Shawn Michaels that uh when Shawn Michaels took his ball and ran and left and uh was gone for for 3 years uh because of the back surgery that he got when he bumped in the Undertaker's casket and he couldn't go anymore. Well, when you know it, once WCW was no more and there was no reason for Vince McMahon to pay Sean not to leave to go to WCW, what do you know who suddenly was miraculously healthy again and healthy enough to wrestle? Shawn Michaels. What are the odds of that? And, um, <laughs> and back he comes and yeah. So I thought lost my it. smile and I don't know <laughs> when I'm going to find it again. I gotta find my smile. Ah. All right. Well, then, I love then, I love Sean, but yeah, he uh, knows he was a dick. Yeah, and he and that's what one of the things that this uh, biography really showed him is Sean owning up to his uh, his past uh, behavior and his transgressions, and um, even Triple H to the point where he was being a babysitter. Like I had to set an alarm to. Go to Sean's room, turn him over his side, make sure he didn't choke to death on his own vomit in his sleep, and you know, pretty much babysit the guy. So my thanks. favorite story—it's probably not on this—is Kevin in the biography. Yeah, new Kevin or old stuff? I think it was the same Kevin day uh, when when he was talking about Randy Savage. I think it was, right, but it's same. recently. Okay, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, you probably find it on YouTube, and not to make light of a drug issue, but one of my favorite stories. And this is when Triple H is kind of like brand new to the click. Mm-hmm. And he's the designated driver. And they go to that Howard Johnson that's full of cops. Yeah. And they just dropped a bunch of uh, Somas or Xanax. Yeah. And it's Scott going, do I look fucked up? Because you get the shake. <laughs> but the story of them turning the corner and just seeing a bunch of cops there as they walk in. And you just get these big wrestlers stumbling in. Yeah. And Kevin was kind of the babysitter because he's so much bigger than everybody else. It yeah. hits him last and after the whole situation. But the way he tells the story is one of the funniest things because Sean, it hits Sean first. <laughs> and Sean's just gone. Yeah. And they're just like, we got to get him out of here. And there's 50 <laughs> cops in here. This is going to be bad. And I don't know how they got out of it, but God, thank, thank God for them. Triple H was as smart as he was because Triple H got him out of it. <laughs> and it ended up with him having to go to the hospital. So I'm just yeah. saying that was their way out of it, an ER visit. <laughs> <laughs> and speaking of multiple people, uh, when Shawn Michaels got beaten up by the uh, Marines in that bar, uh, at first it was six and then it was nine, uh, there was one. <laughs> that was it. You know what's funny about that? People are like, yeah, but it was only one guy. I'm like, wouldn't you expect a Marine to beat the shit out of a wrestler? <laughs> yeah. Like a little little wrestler? Like maybe yeah. like Brock or somebody would give him mm-hmm. a hard time. But I would expect a Marine to beat the little snot out of Shawn Michaels because it's Shawn Michaels and not a Marine. Yeah, and especially a drunk Shawn Michaels who was probably being a prick. So, yeah. No. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so uh, if you have not seen the A and E biography, it is available on uh, on demand or at a and e dot com. Uh, I want the A and E biography of Whisper, and I want it now. <laughs> Thank you. Uh, you're welcome. 
Uh, and staying on that date, I took that May 17, 1993 first, uh, because that's not as important as what happened 30 years earlier, May 17, 1963. You know, I bring up on this very uh, date and on the, the wrestling historian. I say certain dates mean a lot in the history of professional wrestling where the industry changed or when something happened that we'll, we're still feeling uh, the ramifications of. Well, May 17, 1963, in Madison Square Garden, in front of 19,639 fans, uh, Buddy Rogers, the original Nature Boy, lost the Worldwide Wrestling Federation Heavyweight Championship in 48 seconds to Bruno San Martino. Uh, Bruno San Martino hit Buddy with a drop kick. Go figure. Uh, Threw him over his shoulder for a backbreaker, and Buddy gave up. And that would start the reign of Bruno San Martino that would go on for seven years, 11 months, and three weeks. And still, and will always be, the longest reign of any professional wrestler in the history of professional wrestling. Two things. Is that the last legit passing of the torch that's ever happened in wrestling? I'm going to say yeah, unless you can. Where Buddy Rogers was pretty much out of the picture, out of that, as far as the title. On a major run, I mean. Yeah, because Buddy's role, Buddy's reign as the NWA champion had come to an end in the uh, early, in 62. Uh, In the beginning of 63, uh, we with uh, with Luthez and uh, and also with Tutsmond insisting on Buddy only defending the belt in Northeast and not in the other areas uh, where the NWA uh, owned their territories. So that's why the Worldwide Wrestling Federation was created uh, simply to appease Buddy Rogers and his gate attraction in the Northeast, which was <laughs> insurmountable. Yeah. But at the same time, you're also the NWA champion, which means we you got to wrestle in St. Louis and Texas and Florida too. Um, but yeah, so the uh, in that respect, yes, because uh, and there was always you know, did Buddy Rogers have a heart attack in the dressing room the day before? Was that a shoot? Um, did Bruno break his back on uh, why Buddy never wrestled again after that? You know, but he did have a bad heart day, was the truth, and he didn't get in the ring again for another uh, 20 years uh, until he started his run in, um, in the Mid-Atlantic in 1982, which would lead to his uh, return to the WWF as Jimmy Snuka's manager, which would start, you know, Jimmy Snuka's fabled uh, face run. Uh, but I also, but and Buddy Rogers is just such a fascinating character because what he did for New York and what he did for for wrestling, and I, I mentioned this on this very uh, segment. He's one of the guys on Mount Rushmore as far as what changed the business. Uh, him, Hogan, Austin, Jimmy Laudis, they, Buddy Rogers was the guy that influenced everyone uh, that came after him. I mean, the Gorgeous George gimmick came first, but within a year, Gorgeous George was penniless and out of wrestling, and Buddy Rogers took that same gimmick. And by the end of that same decade, was the biggest money-making attraction at that point in the history of wrestling. And not just what Buddy Rogers did, but everyone that he influenced. Uh, 
not just Pat Patterson and Ray Stevens, the Graham brothers, the Fargos, Flair. Flair. <laughs> yeah. And I, I mentioned Patterson and Stevens and the Graham brothers. They weren't blonde. The well, reason they, they were blonde was because, because of Buddy Rogers. Because of Buddy Rogers. <laughs> yes. Whatever, whatever some, you know, we were talking about, uh, New Jack and, and good promos on the first part of the episode, the first, you know, episode A, as I call it every week yeah. when we do two. <laughs> uh, it's not a great promo, but it's one of my greatest, I can still hear his voice clear as day when he wins the title. Yeah. Where he just grabs the mic and goes, I just want to let everyone know <laughs> to a nicer guy, it couldn't it happen. happen. Yeah. <laughs> my, my original mic, original mic drop. And that was in Comiskey Park when he beat Pat O'Connor. For the uh, NWA Heavyweight Champion, that uh, and that title changed in Comiskey Park out through the White Sox that year, with uh, thirty-nine thousand fans uh, to come see him, and he was still drawing thirty thousand fans in by the late sixties. Um, uh, that, but that was the the uh, attraction of Buddy Rogers. Uh, and I want to point out, uh, uh, it's not part of this wrestling historian segment, but May sixteenth of of in this week in, in wrestling history, uh, we lost Andy Kaufman, May 16, 1984. And we mentioned Andy Kaufman in a previous wrestling story. But Andy Kaufman, while he was in the middle of his run of wrestling women on network TV that would culminate in a Jerry Lawler feud, Andy Kaufman was such a darling of Saturday Night Live, he got to wrestle women on Saturday Night Live on one episode. And he brought out as his manager, Buddy Rogers. Buddy Rogers was on Saturday Night Live, folks, in 1981. And Buddy, it's the first time Buddy Rogers had been in New York City on network TV in about 30 years. And so that was a big deal. Not just a wrestler being on Saturday Night Live, which is a big deal, but it was Buddy Rogers that introduced Andy Kaufman for his segment of wrestling women. And he put over Buddy Rogers just like Andy Kaufman put over Buddy put over Fred Blassie. He was a fan. Uh, he was a student of the game. He knew the best way to get he- the guys to get heat were the were those two guys. But I don't think it, it should not have been lost. And what Andy Kaufman, not only what he did for professional wrestling, put professional wrestling on the map, but putting these old school guys in mainstream situation. Andy Kaufman got Buddy Rogers on Saturday Night Live. Okay, I can't express that. That's how huge that was. But that self-same Buddy Rogers would lose his Worldwide Wrestling Federation Championship that he fought so hard to gain in that tournament in Rio de Janeiro, Brazil. Uh, he would lose it May 17th, 1963, and would start the longest reign, like I said, seven years, 11 months, and three weeks, the longest reign in the history of professional wrestling that will never be broken, started by Bruno Sammartino. I, I I just want to say I grew up right around the corner from his house. Yeah. And it was one of those things where every time we drove by it, which sometimes was twice a day, mm-hmm. my grandmother would go, or my grandmother or mom would go, that's where Buddy Rogers lived right there. <laughs> it should be in mind. It should be a, that should be a historical site. And somebody somebody else owns it. It, it was it. It was over. He, yeah. he once he passed, it was sold, and there's a pool in there like it. It. It's a. It's not like it's not this huge because those guys. Oh yeah. Just a quick, just a quick aside. Uh-huh. Those guys made tons of money. Yeah. And I'm talking about you know, Craig, what you and I say, and, and what Fourth Line Voice and I say about ratings versus today in private yeah. when we're DMing each other. 
about the money and the ratings that were going through TV in those days for a guy that made that much money. Yeah. It's not a, it's not a huge mansion you'd expect him, but it was a nice sized house right on the top of the hill near Haddonfield. Yeah. Of course, Haddonfield. Um, where us poors would look and go, wow, that's a big house over there. <laughs> yeah. And, 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 but, but, but it was smart about he, he spent it, uh, he, I mean, he lived comfortably, but he, as much money as he could have spent, and, and like a lot of his contemporaries did spend, he didn't, and he was smart about it. Uh, to put it in terms of, if we adjusted, um, what Buddy Rogers was making in the late 50s, early 60s, would be what LeBron James is making now, if we adjusted for inflation and what, uh, his yearly salary was, compared to the amount of crowds that he drew, stadium-sized crowds, as well as the TV ratings that he drew on network TV, uh, Buddy Rogers was a, a game changer. It would be space wrestle. Yeah. <laughs> Damn it. Not space, yeah. But, uh, and this was, is meant to celebrate the beginning of the longest reign in, in wrestling history with Bruno Sammartino. But yeah, speaking of, speaking of, speaking of money and ratings, <laughs> Bruno San Mar goddamn Tino. Yeah. To where you cut two years later, the first ever show I'm at. Mm-hmm. In person, in wrestling, Bruno is just the referee. Yeah. Bruno is forever. And he's still not dead. I know he's dead, but he's not. You know, yeah. it's Bruno. No, and the ratings, the records that Bruno set will always be there. And like I said, will never be broken. No professional wrestler ever will hold a bell for seven years, 11 months, and three weeks again. There is no way that any promoter anywhere would have the – Sack or ovaries or whatever you have <laughs> to do that. No. And I dare so I'd love to see, I dare somebody to do it. I would love to see it because it would it would piss everybody off. Like, oh, he's going to beat Rogers? No, I I'd love to see. It. I don't think you can get that longevity in the indie wrestling. Can you do it in the WWF or AEW? I don't know. That's how you get a. There's how you legitimize the AEW title. Legitimize, air yeah. quotes, of course. <laughs> and I mean legitimize like it's on TV. It doesn't matter what you and I think about it. It's a world title in wrestling. Uh, have somebody hell hold it for 10 years. <laughs> Just see what happens. Yeah. Uh, the fact that CM Punk is still the longest reigning champion we've had in wrestling in the last 20 uh, is something. But uh, a sight to behold. But it certainly is. Uh, Bruno did it, uh, which brings us to today in uh, professional wrestling history. Uh, two landmark things. Uh, we're gonna start with uh, May night today on this date, uh, nineteen ninety. Um, I don't know if I should do the card first and then do the the name of the pay per view. Do the card first. Yeah, do that and then reveal the name. <laughs> uh, the Midnight Express defeated Brian Pillman and Tom Zank for the United States Tag Team Championship. Uh, Doom, the unmasked Doom, defeated the Steiners for the NWA tag team title. Uh, Lex Luger defeated Ric Flair for the, uh, by disqualification for the NWA heavyweight champion. Obviously, Lex Luger never became the NWA champion by defeating Ric Flair, but he won by disqualification. On this particular pay-per-view, dubbed WCW Capital Combat. We're not mentioning the other thing. <laughs> no. We're not mentioning the other goddamn thing. Some would say this would be the beginning. 21 years ago. 31 years ago, Dan. Of the kind of garbage we're seeing now. 
Whatever do you mean? Nothing else happened on that show. Nothing else did happen on the show, but I'm saying for the for the fans that watched this past weekend's pay per view and experienced zombies on their screen, well, folks, 31 years ago, you would have loved to have seen zombies on a pay per view. I mean, they were as slow as RoboCop. It was <laughs> RoboCop, okay? It was fucking RoboCop. But I only added I only added this date this card on to torture me, you son of a bitch. That's why you did it to, to show you a. Folks that have watched Zombies this past weekend, the more things change, the more they stay the same. 31 years ago, we had RoboCop. This weekend, we had Zombies. And both were movie tie-ins. That's true, yes. <laughs> Not a wrestling but, pay-per-view. Yeah, right, but Doom won the titles, and that's a big highlight for me, says GM yes. Spectre. And the Midnight Express defeated Zank and Pillman for the United States Tag Team title. So, also a big deal. But all the, probably the biggest deal, though, staying on this date... May 19th, um, he, I would have liked to have seen uh, what he would have been or what he would have looked like as, as difficult as it may have been. But on what would have been his 75th birthday, happy birthday, Andre the Giant. Yeah. And, you know, we mentioned Bruno earlier. Uh, we were talking about the biggest money-making wrestlers. At least in the 70s, it was in order Andre, Bruno, and whoever the NWA champion was. Andre, Andre was the made the Guinness Book of World Records. He was the first professional wrestler to ever make a million dollars in one year. That's nuts. Um, that's nuts. And again, but compared to today's, he would be, Andre would be making LeBron James money. Uh, yeah, I had adjusting for inflation, but having a professional wrestler make a one million dollars in a year in the seventies, yeah, uh, it's not being it's still the most popular wrestler of all time. Uh, maybe the greatest single gate attraction of all time. Probably the most insane travel schedule of any wrestler at all of all time. Uh, and you know the amount of traveling he had to do to appear in multiple territories in one week. To be the main event in each spot, uh, and just also knowing that you're also seven four, so you can't fit on every airplane or bus or rent, rent a car. So for him to make those travel dates, and Andre uh, rarely, if ever, missed a date. And with the amount of money he's being paid, that's one of the reasons why he didn't. Uh, but. To go from the WWF to the NWA to the AWA to Georgia Championship Wrestling, Florida Championship Wrestling, World Class, Mid-South, you name it, the Superdome, the Orange Bowl, Shea Stadium, Madison Square Garden, uh, Chicago Stadium, uh, Aloha Stadium in Hawaii, Andre did them all, Andre sold them out all, uh, today would have been his 75th birthday. The true eighth wonder of the world, and um, someone whose likes we are never going to see again. He wasn't the last seven foot wrestler there was, but there's never going to be another seven foot wrestler like DJ just said he needed it. Imagine how much TP needed to wipe his ass. Yeah, <laughs> that's or just, that was DJ's takeaway. Yeah, that, thank you, DJ. I'm glad. Thank you for putting it in perspective. Yeah, thank you for the mental image. Yes, I'm talking about one of the most popular wrestler of all time. Think about the amount of toilet paper he. I'm assuming it was just paper towel rolls. He was just 
Yeah. And I'm and done. What do you Actually, think he's French. He probably had a bidet. That's it. That's or probably bidet. it. Yeah. A bidet or a bidet. Or, a bidet. or, a, or, a, or just a giant hose. Yeah. Garden hose. Okay, moving on. Holy shit. Yeah. <laughs> TP, holy shit, yes. Yeah, uh, hey, and, hey. And, and what Andre spent on alcohol is probably what most wrestlers made that year. So, uh, a happy birthday, and what would have been his 75th birthday, to the late, always great Andre the Giant. I don't want you to count, cut the segment yet. I want you to save your outro because we have been proposed something uh, by our, our friend at Fourth Line Voice, Darren. Uh, a what if... A wrestling historian yes. what if, which okay. is reaching back to the upcoming episode in two weeks of um, Obey the Pucks what if. That didn't happen because my internet sucks. Um, what if uh, Brett dropped the belt? What if Brett dropped the belt to Sean the right way? Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think we would have had a Mr. McMahon character, uh, probably the greatest heel in, in WWF. WWE history. I I don't think the the curtain gets exposed like that. I don't think he comes out. He definitely doesn't get punched in the eye and no. says Brett screwed Brett. Uh, um, Brett's run in WCW still would have been botched. It still would have been well. Yeah, up. those morons are still that, running that. that. Yeah, yeah, that was going to happen. Uh, but I think if uh, Brett dropped the belt. Uh, the same thing would have happened with Sean. He was still he was incredibly immature and pop pilled up that he would have you know imploded, you know, yeah. like he like he would. Um, but I, I think the Monday Night Wars would have gone on uh, unabated. I think, um, but yeah, I, I think you would have uh, you because de- the biggest thing that came out of that was the. Uh, the Monday Night Wars got heightened, and then the, the Mr. McMahon character became um, – he got exposed as the boss, which a lot of which a lot of casual fans didn't know. Yeah, that's true, yeah. He's just the announcer guy. Yeah. I have a second what if from, yeah. our, from the same friend. Yes. What if Vern put the belt on Hogan? If Vern had put the belt on Hogan, it, the AWA would still be around. Um I think it well it would have lasted longer than it did if Vern had put the belt on Hogan. Uh, not only would Hogan not have left to go to the WWF, neither would Bobby Heenan, neither would Gene Okerlund, neither would Tito Santana or Rick Martel or Kurt Henning. You think they should, still could have weathered the uh, Vern Gagne storm and he would have finally given up power to Greg at least? The I think if, if Vern had wanted to make money and keep his, his beloved uh, federation there, because think about it, Dan, if you kept the belt on Hogan, this is late 83 going into 84, you start 84 with Hogan as your champion. All the people I just mentioned are still there. Um, Bobby, uh, Gene Okerlund, Kurt Henning, Tito Santana are all there. In five months, the Road Warriors are going to be there. So, if you're Vern, you just got a license to print money. And while the WWF is continuing with their expansion, maybe with Sergeant Slaughter as their champion, or try, still trying to go national, uh, maybe he, Vince would have made up his efforts to double his efforts to go after world class 
in his expansion. Maybe he would have gotten Fritz and Carey because to compete with the AWA. Uh, you may, oh, man. Can you imagine the Von Erich brothers getting a chance instead of just one? The mind, the mind wobbles. I mean, uh, it literally, literally on the first thing, uh, uh, Darren said you would, you wouldn't give, you wouldn't get McMahon and Austin. You literally no. lose the main component mm-hmm. to the writing of the WWF ship. Yeah, you you, you lose that. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm sure you still have talent coming up that still some fit, you know, pieces would have fit mm-hmm. into place, but you lose a lot of what the Attitude Era is remembered for. Who would Vince put the Hogan spot on? Carrie? I, it, it, Sergeant Slaughter was already there. He had just oh, yeah. turned face. That's right. Yeah, that's right. And he was the biggest money. He was the biggest attraction they had prior to Hogan getting there. So if Hogan never comes, you could easily make the, the switch from Backlund to Iron Sheik and have the natural his natural opponent, Sergeant Slaughter, beat Sheik for the title. And the expansion still could have gone because Sergeant Slaughter was insanely popular. But Vince was still starting his expansion to get all the other territories uh, to all the other uh, wrestlers in his territory. So he could have still gotten the NWA guys, Piper, Steamboat, Greg Valentine. He still probably could have gotten the Mid-South guys, Junkyard Dog, Kate DiBiase, Hacksaw Duggan. Um, he couldn't get Fritz because Fritz wouldn't sell. Yeah, I was going to say, Fritz, Fritz would be the stickler on that one. Yeah, well, because Kerry was on the short list of guys that he wanted to expand, Kerry would have been, a, as was Ric Flair, if he couldn't have gotten Hogan uh, to be in his expansion. But if Vern had kept the belt on Hogan in the AWA, all those guys would have stayed. The AWA, because they had the most popular wrestler in the world on in the United States, because he was still coming up for Rocky Three, coming off of Rocky Three. Um, the and he was selling out everywhere he went in the AWA, which was the second largest territory outside the NWA. They could have done incredible business. And in order to combat that, who knows, Vince and Fritz could have come to an understanding that the uh, WWF and the world class could share some talent. That's it's absolutely mind-boggling. Yes. and uh, But that's right. Case of Vern screwing Vern because you had Hulk, you had the Golden Goose right there, and uh, you went behind it selling Hogan merchandise without Hogan's uh, say so, and losing him. Um, same way he lost Stan Hansen uh, because he couldn't conform and uh, couldn't see a cash cow right in again. Like Jerry Lawley said, you can have the best idea in the world, but if Vern didn't think of it, it's not the best idea in the world. You know, I, I heard Stan Hansen say on uh, – prior to him having the AW, AWA belt taken off of him, when he was AWA champion, they were giving him opponents, you know, like Sergeant Slaughter, a very green, Leon White, Greg Gagne, Nick Bockwinkel. They weren't moving the needle, and the fans weren't, you know, clamoring to see him. But Stan Hansen pitched to Vern because he was going to, the, to to Japan because he wasn't making any money. He was getting paid the AWA champion. He was making a hell of a lot more in Japan. But he pitched to Vern, Dan. He said, "Give me Kurt Henning. I'll do a then I'll do a non-title loss to Kurt Henning." And this is when the AWA was on ESPN. I'll get pinned by Kurt Henning on the ESPN non-title. I'll go to Japan 
by the time I come back, the main event's already written. Kurt will be on TV talking about he should be the AWA champion, how he pinned me. Why they come back, we do sell out houses. Burn. Nope. And Stan has said on a couple occasions he wanted Kurt Henning. No, couldn't come to an agreement. Stan's in Japan. Mail back the belt. Stan says, F you. Run it over with my truck, and I mail it back. But that's twice. That's two times that Vern had your AWA champion with an idea to expand, to make your company a big one. With Hulk, you had the most popular wrestler in the United States. He was dressed on The Tonight Show with Johnny Carson. And he's wrestling for your company. Why don't you put the belt on him and send him back on The Tonight Show with the belt, with the AWA Heavyweight Championship? And again, in six months, you have the Road Warriors. Yeah. Hogan yeah, had the which, Road Warriors. Which do not underestimate, underestimate the Road Warriors. Big money there. Big oh, money my there. God. So, uh, great what-ifs. Thank you. Thank you, Darren. Appreciate Keep it. it Keep it coming. Keep yeah, it coming next please. week. Please. Please, I beg you. I need it. And that, gentlemen and ladies, is a hyper hyperbolic version of the wrestling historian. And you can follow me for any and all history, historic tidbits, wrestling and non-wrestling related pop culture stuff on Facebook, Instagram, and on Twitter at Craig Lagons, C-R-A-I-G-L-I-G-G-E-O-N-S. Follow me on all social media platforms at Danlaw83, the HIAC Talk Radio Network has relaunched. Go to your podcast app, Spotify, wherever you listen to your podcast. Type in HIAC Talk Radio Network. Look for the new black and red logo and subscribe and listen. Please, we appreciate it. For all the all old episodes, don't read and talk at the same time, Dan. Go to the old VOC Nation Radio Network. Um, for Craig Lagans, I'm Dan Calchico. See you next time. Good night, folks. This is a sister, the Doctor of Style, and you're listening to VOC Nation. Check out In the Room every Tuesday night at 9. Listen in. Pro Wrestling Illustrated, Brady Hicks, former WCW star, Stro Maestro, Kazzy Fitz, Matt Grimm. And you and Ray are there too, right, Ray? We sure are, and we've got great guests like Lex Luger, AJ Styles, Kaku, and more. It's a heck of a party. Plus, I didn't get thrown off the uh, building. And then uh, I didn't get pregnant either. Sometimes I think it gets so ridiculous. We were getting into, like, snuff film territory there. In the room. 9 p.m. Eastern on VOC Nation. Wrestling with History, the voice of choice, and Killer Ken Resnick. When I die, they're going to open me up and find about 2,000 undigested Northwest Airline cheese omelets. Mr. Chris Cruz, what's going on? Jesus, how did I get roped into this? General Adnan went to school with Saddam Hussein. He cried, I cried, he cried, and who could have cried? Adnan lost a lot of family in the 
Iraqi war. Everybody loves Granny. Wow. Yeah, see, a lot of people don't know that. Yes, Dylan, you guys are busting me up. Catch Wrestling With History with Ken Resnick and I live on VOCNation.com or listen to the podcast by searching VOC Nation Radio Network on your favorite podcast app. On Wrestling With Problems, we deal with two things, wrestling and problems. On the wrestling side, we cover the major feds as well as the indies. As far as problems go, we cover our problems, American problems, and world problems. Sometimes the problems are even related to wrestling. Every week, comedian King David Lane and wrestler, promoter Chris Best discuss the best and especially the worst in the world of wrestling with a heaping dose of comedy. Check us out live on VLCNation.com or on iTunes, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Each and every Thursday night, check it out. WCW star Stro Maestro takes you on a journey. It's WCW Retro. Talking old school match of the week. Talking dream matches. Taking your calls and looking back on an incredible career of acting, entertaining, and wrestling. Check it out. VOCNation.com. WCW Retro. Be sure to call in Thursday nights, 9 Eastern, on the VOC Nation Radio Network. Yo, this is Jerry Stags of the Nasty Boys. Yeah, Brian Knobs here. Yeah, you get ready to get nasty? Well, listen to the VOC Nation, baby, because it's about to get nasty all around and up in this mother. Get ready. Nasty Sensation is coming at you. The worldwide leader in entertainment. This is the VOC Nation Radio Network.